That wasn't for me, was it? Let's give God some praise. Because he is worthy. It don't matter if you feel like praising him or not. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. To the, um, the high school and the college graduates, I want to say congratulations. Thank you for hanging in there and being an example to um, those who are on their way, those who are still there, and those who are contemplating whether or not to go. So we thank you for hanging in the tough times, because I, I know I realize that it's not easy. <laughs> it's, a, it's hard. It gets hard sometimes. But I thank God that he's able to keep, that he has kept you guys through your studies. To my pastor in his absence, I want to acknowledge him and thank him for the opportunity to stand and um, preach the word of God. Amen. To my f- church family, I want to say thank you to the ministers. Thank you for standing with me, praying with me, praying for me. I appreciate it. To my family, I have my, my son wanted to sit with me this morning. <laughs> my daughter is here. My wife, where she's at? Okay, there she is. My good thing. I will forever be grateful to God for you. Because he... um, What he has done, what the person that he has chosen, I know I couldn't do no better. <laughs> so I thank God. I thank God for you. Thank you for encouraging me, even in those times when I feel like I want to I wanna give up. When the struggles gets, gets real for speaking back to me the things that I, I have even shared with you that God has said and it's encouraged me to keep on going and remember that if God said it, he's going to see us through. So I thank you. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of um, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. In verse 17, and it reads thus in our hearing. It says, All scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, mm -hmm. for reproof, mm -hmm. for correction, yes, for instruction yes. in righteousness. He yes, said that the man of God may be perfect, yes, thoroughly furnished mm -hmm. unto all good works. Yes, you may be seated. Yes, Heavenly Father, I just want to say that I am at your disposal. Lord, you do what pleases you. Father, I'm, I recognize that I'm just a vessel, that I'm just an instrument. So, Lord, I pray that you will use me as you see fit. Lord, that you will just have your way, just bring glory to yourself. Lord, for your name's sake, Hide me behind yourself, Lord. I pray that I won't be seen, but you will be seen. And that you will have your way, that you will speak to your people in a mighty way. For your glory, Lord. So have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From this few verses, I want to speak to you for a brief moment on the topic, applying God's inside information. Applying God's inside information. Because if we are honest with ourselves, the scriptures are really God inside information. He's a God who knows. Nothing creeps up on him. Nothing happened by chance. There's nothing that he has to react to. He knows. And, and, and in knowing what he knows, he gives us information. That if we follow his information, if we follow his instruction, if we follow his manual for our lives, it will teach us how to live in a way that pleasing to him. Amen. You see, he knows what you're going to face before you face it. And he has been trying to mold us that we'll be able to handle, that we'll be able to face, that we'll be able to overcome all the challenges that is going to come our way. So it is indeed his inside information. I noticed that in scripture that Jesus always used parables. And, and his parables are always stories that the people who he, is, he is speaking to, they are familiar with the story. Even if they don't understand the principle behind the story, they are familiar with the story. If you don't, could you just allow me just to use a familiar story? To, to, to really set the tone for this message. And, and this story, I want to use the story throughout the message to help paint this picture. In 2004, Martha Stewart. Anybody remember Martha Stewart? 
In 2004, Martha Stewart went to jail for five months. What they charged her for was lying to investigators about the use of inside information that she had gotten from an associate. And she went to jail for five months. Which is because what Martha did, it seems very logical. I, I do believe that any of us in that position would have made the same choice. You see, she had the option of just sitting on the information that she knows or use that information to her advantage. And she decided to use the information because she understood that if she didn't use the information that was given to her, there was going to be consequences. So she made a choice to use the information. But I want you to understand that it doesn't matter. It does matter, but she had a choice between two. Use or not to use. But I want to tell you that either one of those decisions had a consequence. You can use the information which she did and get five months in jail, or you cannot use the information and lose millions of dollars. So she made the choice to use the information. I, got, I, I, I have a question for you this morning. All the choice we make is a true reflection of the things that are really important to us. Because the choice that she made was based on the importance of her money. She, she, she didn't want to lose none. She would rather go to jail than losing her money. Let me ask another question. Are we making choices based on the results that we desire? Because we often say, I want God to bless me. We all want to be blessed by God. But what does it take for God to bless you the way you desire to be blessed? And are you willing to make those choices to ensure that the blessings of God that you desire to come your way? Or are you just living in the moment and just going by what we feel and ignore the consequences. I want you to know that it is going to cost you something. There is a price to pay either way. Look at what it says in, 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 in this text. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. And it's, it's coming up on our screen. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, 12. There we go. So she used the information and it cost her five months. But had she used it, it would cost her millions of dollars. So we as humanity, we have a choice to make when it comes to God. And the, the choice we make is going to cost us either way. It tells you of what it will cost you if you choose to live for God. It says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It says there is no if. It said there is no buts about it. It said you're going to suffer persecution. That is what comes with the territory. And to be honest, a lot of us don't want to suffer nothing. We really don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody, but, but it comes with the territory. That is what is going to happen. You're going to suffer persecution. But I like how Paul, in, in, in Romans 8, verse 18, it seems like Paul has weighed his option. And he has, he has drawn a conclusion. So this is what Paul said. He said, I reckon. But, but let me go back to 2 Timothy. This is the same guy who said what we just read. And now here's Paul in Romans saying, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So here you have two options. You can either choose God and suffer persecution, or you cannot choose God and you're going to be condemned. You can look at the persecution now and say that I'm going to avoid this persecution and I'm not going to choose God. But there is just a pending result. And the one that's pending is the one that you really don't want to have. Because we don't want our souls to be lost. But we have a choice. That is the choice that, that, that in this illustration, that's the choice Martha was faced with. To either to choose, to use, or not to use. Either way, it's going to cost you something. So in our text, in our text, in our text in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, it begins at the top of the, at the, top of the, 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 the scripture. It says, it let us know that Paul was instructing his young son in the ministry. And he began the chapter by saying, this know also. So it tells me that Paul had already instructed him about some things. And so now he is continuing his instruction. He's saying, I have already told you about that. But this I want you to know also. So in the first verse he said that in the last days, 
perilous times shall come. But he went on to say, but also he gave the reason. He said that men shall be lovers of themselves. He also told him, he said, continue in the things you have learned. He said, from a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And I want to say to, 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 to the graduates, continue in what you have learned. Especially the ones you've been coming to church all your life. And now you're going to be on this journey with your careers. And there's going to be different things coming at you. You're going to be forced to accept things from the world perspective. But you have a choice to make. You can either choose to side with the world or you can choose to side with God. And you can either let go of the things you've learned or you can choose to continue in the things that you have learned. It is a choice. But, but he gets to this, this, our text and he tells us that all scripture are given by inspiration. So Paul made emphasis on three things in the scripture. He made emphasis on its source. He made emphasis on its use. And he made emphasis on its results. He said, this, when he talks about the source, he said it is inspired. It is God breathed. It comes directly from God. Peter concurred with this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, when he says, For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's use, it's application in doctrine. He said it is used for reproof. It is used for correction. What is doctrine? What is doctrine? Doctrine is the basic truth of the faith. For example, Romans 10, 9 tells us that you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That is Doctrine is the basic truth of the faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tell us that for grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. He said, through faith and that not of yourself. He said, it is a gift of God. That is doctrine. It's the basic truth of the faith. And then there is reproof. It's dealing with challenging and confronting each other with the word of God. 
And you got to be careful who you challenge or confront with the word of God. Because a lot of the time, sometimes we are so sensitive because we are so stuck in pride. Nobody can tell us nothing. We don't want nobody to tell us nothing because our thinking that I already know. But, 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 but when you think you have already know it all, the Bible tells me that's a sign of a fool. Thinking he already know, you can't teach him nothing. But I've learned that even if I think that I already know, it's wise to listen. Even if you think you already know it, it is smart to listen. You might have had the wrong perspective. Or what the person saying might have helped you to understand what you already know a little better. But have you shut them down? You'll never get that opportunity. I don't care how smart you are, you don't know it all. So it's good to listen to what somebody else has to say. I don't say you have to take their word for it. But it makes sense to, to listen to what they have to say. So it's a reproof. Challenging and confronting each other with the word of God. You see, it's not about what I say. It's what about God says. So if you're telling me what to do, you should also be able to tell me where can I find it. Is this just your word or is it God's words? Are you telling me do this because we have always done it this way? What if your ancestors were wrong? Are we going to be all wrong? Or have you searched it out for yourself? You know, stuff we say, some of the stuff we say, we say, cleansliness is next to godliness. Where you find that? But it's something that we've always said. So are we going to continue because it's something that we've always said? Or are we going to look and find confirmation from the word of God that is, this is exactly what it is because the word of God has said it. He said, with the word of God. Example, Ephesians 4.31. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's correct. That's, that's, that's challenging. That's confronting with the word of God. So I'm not, just, I'm not just telling you not to be angry because I feel like I should tell you not to be angry. I'm telling you because that's what the word says. I'm not, te- I'm not telling you let go of malice because I feel like you should let go of malice. I'm telling you because that's what the word says. So, so guess what? Don't be mad at me. If you have an issue, you better take it up with God. Because I'm just going by what he says. It's not about what I say. 
It's what about, it's all about what he said. So he said, the next one is correction. Providing guidance from the truth of scripture. Ephesians 4 verse 32. He said, and be kind to one another. Quit being so mean. Could you just be a little kind? Can, 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 can I just correct you for a minute? Because you're being so mean. <laughs> can I correct you a little bit with the word? Because the word said. And be ye kind. One to another. He said, tenderhearted. Quit being so unforgiving. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. But we, we, we want to be forgiven. We're glad that God forgave us. But in turn, we don't want to forgive. But the Bible tells me that if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. So your forgiveness is riding on your unforgiveness. So you are holding up your blessing by refusing to forgive somebody else. That's not me. That's what the word said. So we are to correct each other with the word of God. You see, the word has the power to make crooked things straight. The power to cut and heal at the same time. But, but this thing, we must first believe that it is the word of God. Because if you don't believe that it is the word of God, it really doesn't, won't do anything for you. You have to believe that it is not just information found in a book. But it is indeed the word of God. Hebrew 4 verse 12 say, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. The word of God. Have you ever been cut by the word of God? Has the word of God ever pierced your heart? I, I, let, let me tell you, I've been cut <laughs> by, by, by the word of God. You see, when you're cut by the word of God, you can't help but knowing that is the word of God. But can I, can I just testify for a minute? Because I, I remember this incident like it was yesterday. I remember I was living in Jamaica at the time. It was in the late 90s. 
And I remember there was this girl that I liked. And one day I decided to visit the church that she went to. And upon visiting the church, the, the, the preacher was preaching from 1 Kings 18 and verse 21. He said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, you better praise him. And if Baal is God, then praise him. And it, 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 it reminds me that it, it cuts me so, 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 so deep and it cuts me so hard that I find myself couldn't stay still. It, it was cutting me so good that in spite of tr trying to stay cool, Sister Terry, I find myself sweating like I was doing a workout. You see, while, I, while I'm thinking I'm trying to stay cool, in fact, the word of God was doing a workout in my soul. It was doing a workout in my spirit. And I recognized that God was at move. I recognized that there was things that I was doing that was not pleasing in his sight. And the word of God began to work on the inside. It begins to cut, it begins to heal, it begins to cleanse, it begins to sanctify only the word of God can do that. So you can't tell me that this is not the word of God. I don't care what you believe, I know for myself that this is the word of God. Because I know what he has done to me. I know what he has done for me. I know what he has done in me. The word of God will expose every secret that you're trying to hide. The word of God will make your private life public. The word of God. The word of God is no respecter of person. And the only reason why we play so much with God is because he has yet to make us public. The word of God has that kind of power. He can tell everybody your business. So don't play with the word of God. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. Jeremiah tells us that he tried to keep quiet. <laughs> he said he tried to keep still. He even tell himself that I'm going to keep my mouth shut. He said I ain't going to do nothing. He said because I felt like you deceived me. 
I feel like you set me up. So therefore, I am mad at you for what you have done to me. So I'm going to say a word. I'm going to take a seat and I'm going to sit down. He said, I will make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But he tells us that something happened. <laughs> that the word of God unleashed a power. It said, uh, said, look at what he said. He said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up within my bones. And I was weary. Oh, my God. (laughs) He said, I became weary. In other words, I became tired of holding it in. I had to open up my mouth and let the word of God have its way. That's the power of the word of God. The power, the power of the word brought him to surrender. The power of the word caused him to let go. The power of the word. You see, we are only saved because of the power of the word. It was the word of God that was preached. Whether it is by a preacher or whether it was by the Holy Spirit himself who spoke to us and let us know that we need to turn from our evil ways. There is power in the word of God. But, but, this, but Jeremiah brings me to this point that the scripture is meant to be applied. You see, applying the scripture is the duty of all believers. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the deacon. It's not for the worship leaders. It is for every believer to apply the word of God. If I believe in the source, if I believe in its use, if I believe in its result capability, then why wouldn't I trust? Why wouldn't I trust in the word of God? What hinders us from trusting in the word of God? If we know what it does, if we know what it's here to do, if we know that he have our best interests at heart, why don't we trust? Why don't we trust in the word of God? If we know that weeping may endure for the night, but there's a joy that is coming in the morning, why won't we trust in the word of God? If we know that in this world we're going to have trials, but he has already overcome. 
Why won't we trust in the word of God? If we know that we are more than conquerors to him who loved us, why won't we trust in the word of God? If we know that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, why won't we trust in the word You see, have, if it was me or you that had given this information to Martha, what do you think she would have done with it? Probably nothing. Because we don't really have no credibility with her. But this was coming from a confidant. It is someone who she believed knew what they were talking about. It is someone she believed knew that they saw something coming. And it was time for her to take action. Because hadn't she taken action, the results would have been totally different. But I don't know the motive behind the actions of this confidence. But I do know a God who I know what his motive is towards me. I know what his heart is towards me. I know how he feels about me. I know. So this is more than information. This is God exposing his heart towards us. That God who sees more than we see. God who knows more than we know. Is giving us information that we need to apply to our lives. That when we are come up on the things that he see. We are already prepared to handle it. You see, God prepare you for the troubles. God prepares you for the trials. God don't let a test come your way before he prepares you for that test. Because he is about your best interest. He have your best interest at heart. So he prepares us for everything that we are going to face in our lives. But when he gives us the inside information, that if we receive it and act upon it, and if that prepares us to face the trials that comes our way, if we refuse to use that information, it is not on him. It is on us. Amen. You see, the confidant couldn't choose to use the information for Martha. She had to make that choice herself. You see, God won't choose for you. He gives you everything that you need to make the right 
Look what he said to the children. He said, I lay before you today a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you walk in my ways, keep my statues, and a curse if you depart from them. And then he said, now you choose. See, we are facing choices every day. And we don't always make the right choice. But it's time for us to begin to understand or realize what God is saying. That we can make the right choice. He loves you. He desires you. He died for you. Because he... But there are some things that you have to do that, 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 that releases him to do the things that he really wants to do. I remember talking about, about how God, sometimes our disobedience handcuffed God. Because God has put stipulations on certain promises. Then if you don't fulfill the stipulation, you won't receive the blessing that comes with it. So if God said, if you are will, and a lot of times we, we desire things, we want things, we pray for things. We say, God, do this. God, we say that you said if I ask in the name of Jesus, it shall be done. And at the same time, God is saying that you have me. Because you refuse to fulfill the stipulation. You refuse to do what I have placed on that promise. That, 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 and what you do will release me. That I may give to you the things that is connected to the promise. But because we refuse to fulfill the stipulation, we have him like this. And we keep cheering him on. Yeah, God, do that for me. Yeah, God. And, and, he's, and he's telling you that I, I want to. But, but I can't do it because my, my words say that if you, I will. So until you do what my words say do, I just can't do what you want me to do. He said, I love you, but I can't go against my word. And until you free me by fulfilling the stipulation, I will always be standing here like this, burning with desire to give to my children the things that they are in need of. But because you refuse, you held me hostage. I can't freely give because you are holding me hostage because you refuse to do According to the instruction of my word. So what are you refusing to do? That God has put a stipulation of you doing on it. And you can't get it until you do it. It doesn't matter how badly you want it. 
It doesn't matter how badly he wants to give it to you. He is held hostage because he can't go against his word. He can't do it. It doesn't matter how you want him to. It doesn't matter how he wants to. He can't do it. Because he can't go against his word. One more thing and we close. I was, one of the things I like to do before I preach is I like to cut my grass. I was telling a couple of my, couple of the preachers that, yeah, I like to cut my grass. Because one thing that happens when I'm cutting my grass is the sound of the lawnmower drawn out of everything. And now it's just me. And him. So I know the routine of cutting my yard. I've cut it a lot of times. So I was like, I can cut it with my eyes shut. I don't even have to think about it. So while the lawnmower is running and I'm pushing and walking along, it's just me and him. So, so, so yesterday I was cutting my grass and I, 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 took a, I took a break. I sat down at the side of the house and I was thinking about the message. And I was found myself and said, Lord, why do we hold you, hold your word with such little regard in spite of everything that you have done for us? This is what the Spirit of the Lord said. He said, my people don't really trust me. My people don't really trust me. They allow their faith to be hijacked by the things that they see with their natural eyes. My people don't really trust me. As much as they say that they do, they know the right things to say at the right time for the right people, but they really don't Trust me. And he said, it's not just my written word. But he said, I have given them the gift of perceiving. And even the things that I show them, they in the gift, through the gift of perceiving. What they do is they have mismanaged the gift. And when I show them stuff, they jump ahead of me and try to do it their way. To achieve the very same thing that I showed them. And the reason why I showed them is because that's what I want to give to them. But they refuse to come up under me. And allow me to do it my way. What is God saying to you? What instructions are God giving you? What inside information is he giving you? And are you willing to embrace it? Are you willing to act upon it? Are you willing to make the right decision? Knowing that he is God. Knowing that he loves you more than you could ever love yourself. Knowing that on the other hand, there's an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you disobey God, you are falling right into his plan. 
God's inside information. We need to apply God's inside information. He's doing everything that he can to prepare us. But some things are left up to us to do what God is instructing us to do. Probably you're here today. You haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Savior. This is an opportunity. We want to extend the invitation to you. Because God loves you that much. That he did for you that what you could not do for yourself. You couldn't have paid the price for your redemption. And survived God's wrath. But Jesus did that in your place. So you don't have to. So now you can make the choice of accepting what Jesus has done or you can refuse it and save yourself. And to that end, there is no return because you will be eternally condemned. Is there one who want to make the choice today 